0: Bethany! Bethany, it's me, Sarah. Tell your dad the show's about to start.
1: Man, I sure love hearing that song. It makes me feel like I'm in the crowd and it's showtime is imminent. All right. Well, welcome to Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden Zone. This is now brace yourself episode 27, part two, which is part two of installment four of Iron Maiden stories. (laughs) This week, you're going to hear the second half of my conversation with James from New Zealand, and we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Now, I've got to warn you, though, there may be a few things said on this episode that may upset you or be a little controversial. So buckle up, strap yourself in and get ready for the ride. (coughs) in an excuse to try and play a little bit more of doctor doctor as some in between music here in between little segments. Uh, I thought I'd make a little quick announcement about the show moving forward here going on next month instead of doing like a whole special episode or something like that. I had originally said that August was going to be all iron maiden, August maiden maiden, August, so I guess the little announcement here is that September is going to be a continuation of that as I've already got a couple more things recorded with some fans that are definitely something you're going to want to hear. And the way it's going right now with people, I've got people getting in touch and wanting to talk about their Iron Maiden stories, which is, like I said, it's awesome. I love, love, love hearing that stuff. And I know based on the reaction I'm getting from people, I know you love hearing it too. So, so my plea, my plea, my plea to you is if you love Iron Maiden, if you're a huge fan, if you would like to tell me your story, if you would like to tell all of us Iron Maiden fans, your story, we love hearing it. I love hearing it. And like I said, based on the reactions, everybody else loves hearing it too. Send me an email at Podcast at gmail.com tell me your story you know as much or as little as you want to tell the more details the better that makes it a little easier on me when i talk to you because i can i can kind of cater the questioning a little bit but i've got some questions i'm trying to kind of get it set in stone kind of the certain things i want to ask but um yeah send me an email and if you're interested if you would want to do it let me know say hey in the, in the original email, tell me I'm interested. I would definitely want to come on the show and talk to you. I'd like to do a phone call and I do the calls on Skype. So if you want to do that, also send me your Skype ID. I'll get in touch and we'll start working it out. Now I've got calls set up currently for, well, I've got a call in the morning to someone on the other side of the world. I've got a call, uh, another call in a week or two. I, I've been pretty booked on calls the last couple of weeks, but it's slowing down right now. So if you want to do it, give me a call and let's uh, call, give me an email. Let's start getting it set up. Let's get it figured out. Cause I love hearing these episodes. I love hearing people's stories. And if you go to the store and you see someone wearing an Iron Maiden shirt, you immediately want to talk to them and you want to find out what their story is all about. So go ahead and do that for me. Okay. Send me an email, ironmaidenpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, before I go on, let me thank those that shared part one of my talk with James. Those that shared it on Twitter are, of course, James in New Zealand. I mean, right? Yeah. Andy in Falkirk, UK. Yvonne in Malta. Stephanie Jane Gray in Liverpool, England. And Andrew Whitnall, a quietly surviving Englishman in Australia. And on Facebook, Michael Blair from Grandview, Texas, and Stephanie Jane Gray from Liverpool, England, shared it. Another double shot from Stephanie this week. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who shared. Now, let's get to what you came here to hear. ask you another question and i hate to i haven't ever said this out loud to anybody else because i don't want to it's kind of morbid in a way but do you think because i mean i've heard of shows where there was a couple of shows where they didn't play they canceled shows because dave murray had broke a finger i believe um there were shows when uh, yannick fell off the stage whatever and got hurt they canceled a few shows for that do you think that they would replace any member of Iron Maiden at this point outside of, I mean, obviously Bruce, if, you know, if, if I think that if he would have, if cancer, if he would have succumbed to cancer, I don't think they would have continued. I think they would have been done, but cause he's the voice and he's, but do you think that outside of Steve Harris, do you think if, if something happened to a member where they just, they couldn't play anymore, they maybe had an accident or, or, you know, passed away. Do you think that the Iron Maiden would continue? Do you think they would bring somebody else in like, kind of like ACDC has? It's a really nothing.
0: interesting question. I, I think it would depend on who it was. I think if Bruce couldn't perform for whatever reason, I I don't think they'd recruit another singer. I think, obviously, if Steve Harris decided to call it a day, that's it. It's all that's over. That's it. Right. I think if one of the three guitarists decided that it had enough, that they they definitely could continue with two. I Absolutely. don't think that. I do not believe they'd bring in a third guitarist. So I don't think if one guitarist left, I don't think they'd replace him. Um Nico is the interesting one. And yes. you know, there's lots of theories about, you know, Joe Lazarus, Steve's yes. nephew. Um yes. because he's a fantastic drummer and he just Oh my god. You know, he's so involved in the maiden world and touring with British Lion and everything. And I think, you know, I'd be I'd be very happy if he I hope it never happens, but but if Nico did decide to step away from the kit and the band decided to carry on, I'd be very comfortable with, with Joe Lazarus taking over. But I don't don't know. I I think it'll depend on timing. And I think COVID-19 has has changed the dynamic a little bit.
1: Yes, unfortunately. I think
0: with the lockdown around the world, I think it's put Maiden's plans all up in the air. Like maybe they were going to do Legacy of the Beast and a new album and tour. And then maybe Nico would call it a day and they would get Joe in for for another tour or two.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think they're going to be able to do a world tour um, for, you know, three, four years. They might sure. be able to play some shows in Europe, but they ain't coming to America for a long time. They're not yeah. going to South America for a long time. You have got to look at these guys and think: if COVID sticks around for five years, Nico is old. Bruce is a cancer survivor. Yeah. These guys are exactly the kind of people who are dying at the moment. So, sure. even Rod Smallwood, you know, why would he want to tour the ro- the world with the band if? if this pandemic is continuing. So I I think that's really changed things. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I wish, I know you've heard the talk just like I have that Iron Maiden has a, possibly has an album in the bag ready to go, which I don't know whether they do or not, but let's just assume they do. Wouldn't it be a great time to release it
0: right now? Yeah, I know. I know. There must be a very strong business reason why they're not. I'm sure there is. I'm I'm convinced that there is a new album already done, because when Maiden announced the cancellation of the Australian and New Zealand shows for Legacy of the Beast, which my son was gutted about because it was going to take it was going to be a second show in Auckland. Anyway, um, they cancelled that, and then they announced some rescheduled plans, and Mm -hmm. they said they were going to take the Legacy of the Beast out in 2021. But they would come to New Zealand and Australia in 2022, mm. and they they didn't say that those shows would be Legacy of the Beast. So ah. I'm I'm 100% convinced that they'll they'll do Legacy of the Beast 2021, and then the new album will come out in the back half of 2021, and then 2022 they'll be touring, um, hopefully the world, but who knows with the new album material, or at least that's their current plan.
1: Yeah, when they, they I'm trying to think of which album it was. I wanna say it might have been Dance of Death. They were playing the tour before they did Dance of Death between yeah. Brave New World and Dance of Death, they were playing Wildest Dreams. Yes, they were playing Wildest Dreams, but they weren't yeah. playing anything else. So like to me, if you release a new album now, you go and you continue the Legacy of the Beast, take one song from the new album. Throw it in there too, add it, or you know you don't want to take anything away from that show, but just add it as a, a extra song in the show, and then you've already got the album out. People are already it gives you a lot of time to get familiar with it, yeah. And then and then that way there's not a you don't have to take necessarily a break in the cycle or if they don't want to, because steam here.
0: I'd love them to to drop a new song into the Legacy of the Beast 2021 set list, especially mm-hmm. if they're in Europe they're playing places that have already seen that tour. Yeah. If you add a new a new song in there and maybe change up one of the older songs, that'll bring people back. You know, from a business perspective, why would you want to see the tour twice? Well, they're playing a brand new song. And uh, swapped out a couple of the other songs you've already seen, and there's a couple of new inflatable toys on stage. You know, (laughs) they've they've got to do something to change it up because the legacy of the beast that'll be what its fourth year by that stage, third or fourth year. Because I believe it's. And obviously, we've had COVID in between, but you know, it's just been going and going and going. They need to do something different. If you haven't seen the show, you've definitely seen it on YouTube, right? Um, I mean. Honestly, I
1: haven't. I've only seen it once, and that was uh, when I saw it in person. And what made me mad was they played in Dallas, and I think the next night they played San Antonio or Houston. And then the next, I think they played Houston, and then San Antonio was the last night. And it was leaving the country after that. And I had no idea how great the show was. And I thought, <laughs> if I had known the show, I mean, I knew it was going to be a good show. But when I I was so just pumped up after that show, just how awesome it was, I mean, I just, I never, I never, and no pun intended when I say this, but I never in my wildest dreams (laughs) thought that I would hear Iron Maiden play anything live from A Matter of Life and Death. Mm. So, you know, when, when they played for the greater good of God, I mean, I was elated. And they played um, the Klansmen. I couldn't believe they were playing that. They played Sign of the Cross. I couldn't believe they played that. So it just – and I I wanted so bad. I tried to figure out a way. I was like, there's got to be. Is there a way – any way possible that I can make it? Because San Antonio is about – it would take me five hours to drive there, about four to four and a half to get to Houston. And I was just like, oh, man. And it was going to Mexico two days later. I just – but, yeah, I, it's a shame. I, I hope they – or, you know, even if they would release it, like release a show like a, or release a live album from The Legacy of the Beast. Yeah. I hope they do that. But I'm still holding out for a, a live album from A Matter of Life and Death, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's funny you say that. If I could point it – there's two tours that I desperately, desperately want a video from. One is Summer in Time. We know, we know, we know that's not happening. Yeah, um, the other is a matter of life and death, mm-hmm. and yeah, they've got the footage. I'm sure. I think they were planning on recording and releasing the Earl's Court show in uh-huh. London, On the Matter of Life and Death tour, but they had the big power outage um, oh. for like 20 minutes, which kind of ruined things. But it makes you wonder tour, playing that album all the way through. I mean, it's a phenomenal album. Yes, the tour looked incredible. I would love to love to see that. Yeah,
1: I was. I'll I'll send you uh after we get done with this I'll I'll copy that link that, that I was listening to um, I'm trying to remember who post someone posted it on Twitter though to Talking Maiden. and they were like hey because you know a week ago or so they showed the uh, they showed a Book of Souls show I think it was from yeah. Wacken maybe yeah from, yeah that's yeah so they showed that and then someone came on there and said hey check this show out and and they said it's a really good recording of the Matter of Life and Death show and I was just kind of like well. Let me pull that up and have it on my computer. So every time I come up here, I'll turn an extra, you know turn a song or something on, and or I'll turn a few minutes of it on and just listen a little bit. but oh, it's it's pretty good. It, it, it sounds pretty good.
0: Yeah. So. the Beast boot league of the meta and life Tour I've ever heard was I think it's Stockholm, Stockholm uh-huh. in Sweden. It's not video, it's just audio, and it's okay. phenomenal. It's the sound quality is is really, really high. Um, the crowd's amazing. Um, I think it was a it might have been a radio broadcast. it's it's soundboard quality. And it's, it's just phenomenal. Now that
1: you mentioned that, it reminds me, it seems like a bunch of months back, I was looking for a bootleg just to see if I could find one. And it seems like I found something on vinyl and I can't remember. It was I'll have to look again and see if I can find it. But it was it was expensive, but it was a record. And they said it was a really good. And I thought, oh, man, I'd, I think I might have sent it to uh, to Nesbitt and said, hey, do you own this or do you have this? Because he seems like the one that would have it if it was out there. Mm. But ah, anyway, um, what was your favorite moment from the uh, Legacy of the beats? Was there a particular song that, other than watching your children, d- did you have a, <laughs> a favorite song that they played? Like that, but you you might have known what they were going to play already. But was there any song that that you were that was your can favorite? I,
0: can I cheat and have two? You can have two. You can have three if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that ought <would> to be greedy. <laughs> um, the song that I'd always wanted to see live because I just adored the version on live after death was uh-huh. flight of Icarus. Ah, um, I, I, I was so disappointed that they dropped it from the set list for so many years because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a fun, it's an awesome song. It's just so kick butt. I, I know that, you know, a lot of people think it's quite a simple song. Um, it, it's quite kind of straight here. It's not as progressive as a lot of the material. Sure. Um, but it's just amazing. I mean, the, the 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 final third of that song, when Bruce is going off and Dave is playing all those licks, and and it just builds this massive crescendo. I've always loved that track, and the version on Live After Death was like that's my favorite Maiden moment on vinyl. You know, really? that part of Live After Death, is just so good, oh, wow. so powerful, and then to see that right up close. Um, one of the shows I went to, uh, the, the the second show after Vancouver, I went to Tacoma in Seattle, and I was on the barrier. Oh, and I sent a stage on the barrier, and Dave Murray was stood directly in front of me. There oh, was me, awesome. there was a security guard, and there was Dave Murray. And <laughs> he, he was down on one knee playing a guitar lick that I'd idolized. And here he was right in front of me doing it. That, that was awesome. And the other one is We're Eagles Dear, which I never thought I'd see live. It's yeah. A, it's a great song. I've, it's, yeah, And they did it so well on the tour. Um, Bruce's costume was a little questionable, maybe. But the <laughs> the backdrop to it with the gondola and the explosions, it was it was perfect. And I remember hearing the intro tape and the, and the machine guns rattling yes. and some quotes from the film and, and lights going off. And it was just, yeah, loved it. And the crowd knew what was coming. And as soon as that drum intro hit, the place just went off. It was brilliant.
1: I tell you what, when they did uh, "Where Eagles Dare," I I didn't know. I'm not familiar with the movie, so I you remember on I believe it's "Death on the Road" when they play Passchendaele, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, just war noise going on. And so yeah. when they started when they started all of that, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, "Oh my God, they're gonna play Passchendaele. They're gonna play." I was I was just I was. I told, I told somebody when I said, I said, it's kind of weird to say I was disappointed when, where Eagles dare started for a second. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I love yeah. the song, but I was really thinking it was going to be packed. Cause I was, you know, those albums, you just don't think that I don't really ever feel like I'm going to get to hear a lot of that stuff live. So,
0: yeah, but that's interesting. So you don't, you would have preferred passion
1: Yes, I would have. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. And I think that's because, I missed out on so much of the because there was a phase in my life where I just did, wasn't listening to Maiden, and mm. I didn't. So I I saw the Brave New World tour only because I, I just went. I didn't really. I wasn't like blown away. I wasn't like, oh, I can't believe Bruce and Adrian are back. I was just. I just went. It was. I was really there to see Rob Halford. Honestly, <laughs> more than a Maiden. I mean, I didn't leave early. But I also had hmm. terrible seats, so it wasn't as exciting. And for me, for some reason, and but I didn't see Dance of Death. I didn't see A Matter of Life and Death. I didn't see Final Frontier. The first tour that I saw again was when Maiden did the tour, the Maiden England tour in like 2012, right. 2013, and which cool. for me was like flashback to my first ever Maiden show. You know, they opened with Moonchild and all that, and so it was. But yeah. I, I mean, like I said, it's hard to. It it, it sounds bad, probably, to say I was disap. I was a little disappointed, but I think it would have been. It's like when I go. Uh, I was talking to this guy earlier about seeing Allison in Chains in concert, and I saw Allison Chains three times with Lane Staley back in the '90s. But when they would, when I saw them recently in the last couple of years. Anytime they played a, a song off one of their newer albums with with uh, William DuVall singing, I was so excited because I was like, I've never heard these songs live, and they're they're newer, and it's just I don't know something about it. I think that's the way I felt about Passionville too. I was thinking, ah, it would have been really, I love the song, so it just would have been fun, you know. But either way, you can't you can't complain too much about where Eagles there, right? I mean, if that yeah, that drum was intro was awesome, so yeah.
0: I would have loved Dale as well, but I, I never thought I'd see We're equals DSL. So I was really happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now you're an old school fan. You've been around since the eighties and you're obviously a fan of you're, you're you're a good fan because you're a fan. Uh, I, there's, there's people that, that like the old school stuff that like the eighties, you know, when they were in their heyday and kind of left after that and never came back. Um, but you're a you're a you know you're from start to back you're a, you're a fan of it all. Do you have a favorite album?
0: I do, and I guess like a lot of people, it's 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 the album that came out that was new when I was a fan. So that's Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. I okay. just have that emotional connection in terms of a, a, the time of my life when you know there was nothing else in my life. Maiden was the most important thing in the world to me
1: because
0: okay. you know you. Young, and you find a band you love, and yeah, a new album coming out, you're so excited. And to, to have something like Seven Sun with the artwork, uh, the lyrics, the theme, the amazing music, it was just yeah, it just got me. So it'll always be Seven Sun, okay. Um, okay, I beyond that, and if I kind of divorce myself from you know that emotional connection to the album, I love Power Slave and I love A Matter of Life and Death, okay. I think they are their three strongest albums, okay.
1: I- it's funny because I think the one thing that I talk about is I say Power Slave and A Matter of Life and Death are both, to me, they're the most cohesive albums. They Everything on Power Slave sounds like, it doesn't sound like they just put a bunch of songs together. It sounds like everything was recorded on purpose. This may sound weird. I'm trying to formulate my thoughts here when I'm saying this. But everything sounds like it really belongs. Nothing sounds out of place on Either yeah. of those albums, and really, on some uh, on Seventh Son, I'm trying to think because that's pretty cohesive as well. But to me, those two albums, A Matter of Life and Death and Power Slave, are the most. Because like you listen to Number of the Beast, and it's a great album, but you know it just doesn't. To me, it doesn't gel quite as well as those two albums do. So,
0: yeah, I Maybe. agree. I I, I I still I get a little stick for this, but I think Number of the Beast is quite patchy. Compared it, to Power Slave, compared to Peace of Mind, certainly compared to A Matter of Life and Death. It's got some yeah. amazing songs on it, but it's, you know, there's, sure. there's a couple of misses there as well.
1: There is. See, so yeah, I, I think I you're right.
0: I think all the songs on Power Slave belong on Power Slave.
1: Yes, it does feel that way. And I did an episode where I did, I did Power Slave versus The Number of the Beast, and I just basically did, like, song one versus song one, song two versus song two. So, and... Yeah. Number of the Beast pretty much won hands down because where you had good songs on uh, Power Slave, like say, we'll go to the very end. You had Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner versus Hallowed, and they're both fantastic, obviously, but Hallowed is just extra special. And, yeah. and then And then a couple of the middle songs you had, I want to say, I'm trying to think of where it fit, but you had Number of the Beast and run to the hills and it doesn't matter what they're against they're going to win <laughs> you
0: know and so it, it was uh, i remember it, that episode i I remember listening to that episode in my garage and i was yelling <laughs> i was so angry it's like no you've got it all wrong this is unfair comparison i think, I think what, if I, you change the order of the song yeah. you have a totally different result
1: i was gonna say i think you were the guy that said that you were like if you, and, I, and i agree i think that uh because power slave is just it's it's Great! You don't skip anything on Power Slave. Even the instrumental is yeah. awesome. So, <laughs> oh, it's pretty. But it just it just happens to be the way that like yeah, I agree. I do agree with you. I agree with that. I, if they were ordered differently, but, it but that's would,
0: what that's what makes those episodes of you. That's what makes those episodes of your podcast so fun to listen to. You know, you <laughs> you have an opinion. Sometimes people agree. Sometimes people disagree. But whichever way you go, it's fun to listen to.
1: Yeah, I, uh, that's what's fun about. I want to bring some people on one day, and I thought about doing maybe like a retread kind of episode where I do the same episode but with somebody with me, and then that way there'll be banter instead of it, it. It's hard to do it solo compared to doing it with. Anytime I have like when I have Melissa on or when I have Mark on, it's so much easier to talk to somebody than it is to monologue. So, yeah, totally. But uh, let's see here. Okay, I asked you that. Okay, well, since you said your um, your your favorite album was Seventh Son, what's your favorite song off of Seventh Son?
0: Oh, that's tough.
1: I'm not that very good at doing this. I have a hard time, like listening to Nesbit put all the Iron Maiden songs in order. I'm just like, I can't even pick a favorite album. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I've done it with the albums. I've um, I've done a Nesbitt spreadsheet, but in my own my own formula. Oh, cool. So I've I've rated every song on every album, so I can see my albums top to bottom. Okay. But I haven't done that with. I rate my songs out of five. I I don't say this song is better than that song. I say is this a one, two, three, four, or five? Okay. I don't compare Hallowed with Rhyme and say which of these two is better. They're both fives. Okay. So yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But So I write the the songs on the album and that's how I know, you know, that's how I justify which is my favorite album type thing. I don't don't go down to, I couldn't tell you my favorite Maiden song. It's Um, hard.
1: There's too many good ones. But on (laughs) Seven
0: Sun, if I had to pick a track on Seven Sun, I would probably go the title track because it's the longest. And because the instrumental break, the last like three minutes of that song, is some of the most powerful emotional music they've ever put down on vinyl.
1: It's just beautiful. It, it's awesome. You're right. I love it. I love it. That's uh, like I was thinking.
0: You, go ahead. Sorry, you go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So the the version on Maiden England. If if you watch uh-huh. the Maiden England performance of that song, the the way that Steve Harris in particular is so pumped up on stage, and Adrian Smith is just absolutely slaying on the guitar. It's just, it just builds this amazing, amazing crescendo. It's, it, I think, it's some of the best stuff they've ever done.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I was thinking in my head when I asked you that. I was thinking about what's he gonna pick? What's he gonna pick? Uh, and I had two choices, and you picked my first choice. That's what I. That's what I would say too, because it's epic. It's it's one of the things that I like about Iron Maiden on their post two thousand music is, and a lot of people complain about you know Kevin Shirley. He doesn't really he's, he might be more of a yes man in the studio. Cause I mean, really you're not going to go in there and tell Steve Harris what to do. He's probably going to say, look, you you record it or I'll bring somebody else in here that'll record it. And then you just mix it for me or whatever. But I love that. They allow the songs to be longer, even though at times they, uh, they kind of, um, sometimes they can feel like they're too long, but I've always enjoyed listening to them play music. And, I always say they give it time to breathe. They give it time to have a life of its own. Like they start playing, and then sometimes it just seems like they just let the song take them somewhere. Like they get lost in the song while they're playing it almost. And I love that. And to me, that's kind of what Seventh Son did because that was a lot longer song than a lot of other stuff they had back then. So,
0: yeah, yeah. But my. my, my, number, my already... Go ahead. So you go, you go.
1: Well, okay. My number two choice for you. To pick was going to be Moonchild. That was going to be my second choice. So go ahead. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. <laughs> I was just going to comment on the longer songs. At the, you know, the back end of their career. Uh, the only criticism I would have is that the choruses are quite repetitive yeah, um, on some, some of their longer tracks. But musically, it goes somewhere. It develops. They they work through a musical theme. You know, it fits with their, the whole progressive approach to, to writing music that they have in the in the back half of their career yeah so i think sometimes the choruses let them down because they're quite repetitive and they don't really change up much but musically you know all of those songs are phenomenal musically and the longer the better as far as i'm concerned
1: hmm see that's the way i feel about i think i, I don't well i'll just say it I, I i keep hinting around about this i'm just going to say it I to me the album that I like the least out of Brave New World, Dance of Death, Matter of Life and Death, the Final Frontier, and Book of Souls. Okay, wait. Before I say it, <laughs> <laughs> tell me <laughs> what do you think? Do you um, do you rank them in any kind of order? Do you say this is my favorite of the five? This is my not that it makes any of them bad albums, because like mm-hmm. I said, there's if there's a best, there's got to be one that's not the best. So, well,
0: what in you- the in the if we can call it the reunion era, I'd say yes. my favorite album is A Matter of Life and Death. Okay, and then the rest are really close. If if I had to pick ones that weren't as strong as the others, it would probably be Final Frontier. Okay, uh, and maybe maybe Dance of Death. Oh wow! Uh, everything else I think is fantastic. Um, Final Frontier. There's some great stuff on there. I love Starblind in particular. Yes, that's um, a good one. But it's also got Where the World Where the Wild Wind Blows, which is just
1: yeah, <laughs> really,
0: really. Don't have time for that. It's terrible. Um, I'm not a huge fan of some of the other tracks on there as well. But there's there's some amazing stuff on there. So sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know it, they're not bad albums by any stretch. I really like them. But there's a couple of tracks on there that that maybe aren't the beast.
1: That's funny that you say that because, uh, I was thinking if I had to rank them one through five, I I'm, I'm really torn on a matter of life and death or brave new world because they're both, there's not a bad track on either one of them. They're both phenomenal. Um, but, but a matter of life and death is a little, it's, it's more cohesive, but still they're both, There's not a bad track, but for me, I love the Final Frontier. I I love all of them, but I've always thought, and I maybe I need to listen to it again. But I've always thought the weakest album of the five, and I'm sure uh, the guys on Talking Maiden, if they hear this, they'll probably, you know, they'll be yelling at me or something. But I've always thought it's the Book of Souls. I've always thought the Book of Souls, because I don't know. I and there's certain parts I love, but like when you're talking about the repetitive choruses. Like I think Nesbitt said, the red and the black was like a top ten uh, top ten song for him, and I'm listening to it. And you know, to me, the chorus is just not good. It's just very, yeah. you know, I just it's, it's repetitive. But I don't, you know, I don't mind that because you can go back to Heaven Can Wait, you know, all the way back to the '80s and hear a song like that where they repeat this cor- the one line over and over and over and over and stuff, and I don't mind it, but some of the, to me, some of the, like, and like Tears of the Clown, I, to me, that's very, there's, there's good parts on all the songs, obviously, but it's, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I felt like whenever they, cause they wrote about Robin Williams and I just thought that just doesn't seem very, like a very maiden song. It's, it just, it that one. And then, um, what is the other one? Uh, the man of sorrows or whatever. And I like that one, but, the way they put them together on the album was you had the man of sorrows and you had uh, tears of a clown together. And I just thought it, it was like the album went into this slow space and then they just stayed there for a way too long. And maybe if they would have split yeah. them up, I don't know if I would have felt different, but I mean, I do love some of the songs on there. Yeah. I mean,
0: but what's the- For me, I think I think making it a double album. Although I loved it at the time, I think that was a mistake. Yeah. I think if they had, if that album had come out in the eighties when they still released singles and singles had B sides on them, mm-hmm. and you took two or three songs off of Book of Souls and made them B sides, yeah. then I think that would have been as strong as Brave New World and as strong as A Matter of Life and Death. Uh, life and death. Okay, but this. I, I'm not a huge fan of Men of Sorrows. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Red and the Black either. Thank you for saying that. I thought it was the only one. <laughs> um, um, yeah, there's there's just a couple of songs there that that probably aren't quite up to the standard of the rest of the album. And if they'd actually removed them and just made it a regular album rather than a double, I think it would have been far stronger.
1: I'll yeah, I, and I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. I know there's a lot of good musical parts on the Red and the Black, but. Yeah it's yeah that's one of the songs that i feel like is and like like i said i love them allowing the songs the space and to be what it is but to me that's one that feels like they should have cut a little bit out of it and it's funny because you know i i I really have a lot of respect for nesbitt's opinion and and josh and listen to them talking so when i hear them talk it up sometimes i'm just like is it me i mean i thought it was, is it just me so it's not we're we're you we're a united front now okay
0: what yeah if, that's right we if, are the, the at read in the black brigade <laughs> <laughs>
1: what is um isn't the uh, i i don't know much about uh football y'all call it football we call it soccer but i don't know much about football isn't that the name of the team that uh the steve harris likes the west west
0: ham united that's West Ham, West Ham United. So they're not red and black. Don't worry about that.
1: Okay, but we're, that's what i say. We're united. We're, we're, the, we're the red and black united. Yeah, <laughs> The anti-red yeah, and yeah, black. So nice.
0: <laughs> we are the Emmets, yeah. Actually, but like I said- Steve Harris, Steve Harris has followed. Well, I've been following West Ham since I was an Iron Maiden fan, just mm-hmm. because they were in the credits for the album. So yeah. a lot of people over here, we, we watch the English Premier League for football. And okay. you know you pick a team. A lot of people pick Man United or Liverpool. Uh-huh. I know Andrew Whit- Andrew Whitnell, who's possibly listening of this, For some reason, he likes Arsenal. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I always followed West Ham because of Steve Harris. So that's that's cool. Do you let me, do you uh have you ever met him, Andrew? No, no. Um, we we virtually met, I guess, on Twitter. Um, okay. Probably probably commenting on Talking Maiden. Tweets, right. you know, a couple right. of years ago, then um, yeah, we just, you know, sort of headed off. The occasional tweet chat. Yeah,
1: it seems. I guess in my mind, like I said, I, 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 when I see where New Zealand is on the map, and and I see where Australia is, I don't know where he lives in Australia. I don't know if he lives on the because Australia, I didn't realize how huge. I know Australia is big, but I remember on uh, having a podcast. There's a there's a you have to use a hosting site, and the hosting site will tell you where people have listened to your podcast at so i remember seeing three or four different cities in australia and and, I, and in my mind i started thinking well maybe the same person is listening to it but they were <laughs> they were in brisbane and then you know then they were in sydney and then they were in uh, i think perth and maybe it's another city there and so i'm thinking and so then i pull out the the gps app and i just type them in and i'm like oh wow those are like 30 hours apart, some of them. So that's yeah. definitely cool. It's more than one person in Australia listening to it. It's cool. But uh, <laughs> that's funny. Australia's um,
0: a, a crazy country, man. If you look at it on a map, uh, look, have a look at it on, on Google Earth uh-huh. and go for the satellite view. You've got Perth on one side. You've got Sydney on the other. And there's just this dead, they call, actually call it the dead heart. The bits in between are just this desolate desert. It's yeah. a huge place, but so much of it is uninhabitable.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I just know I've seen videos of, of these humongous snakes that they have over there and spiders that are as big as your hand. And I'm just like, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really want to go over there. (laughs) (laughs) Looks a little, little scary to me. So now here's a question I got for you that, um, I'm kind of winding it down here a little bit. This is actually the last question I have written down unless we have anything else we want to get into here. But, um, And I'm pretty sure I know how you'll answer this, but you were a fan of Maiden whenever, obviously, Bruce left. And what was your thoughts on the Blaze Bailey era of the band when they came out initially? I was into them. I remember getting um, uh, X Factor when it came out and hearing it and hearing Sign of the Cross right off and thinking, that's a really good song. I mean, this guy sounds different, but it's a good song. What, What do you remember thinking about that back then?
0: I remember very clearly putting on The X Factor and listening to Sign of the Cross and being blown away by the song, musically and vocally. I thought it was great. But I remember hearing Man on the Edge and thinking, "Mm, I'm not so sure about this. But it wasn't the vocals, it was the song itself. The song wasn't as good as what I was expecting it to be. And that was the single, right? So that's what I heard before the album came out. Okay. So when, when the full album came out and I played it for the first time and I heard something like Sign of the Cross, I was like, okay, thank God, this mm-hmm. is Maiden. This is back to that progressive Seven Sun kind of sound. Because I didn't know where they were going to go. Because after Seven Sun, they kind of, in their music and their production, they they almost reacted and moved away deliberately from the Seven Sun progressive sound. And yeah. they made No Prayer for the Dying, where they tried to make themselves sound raw and dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. they had Fear of the Dark, which you know, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan <laughs> of that album, particularly the production. Um, and, and so when X Factor came out, I was expecting them to continue going down that line. Sure. Um, which, from my mind, musically wasn't as strong as what they did before. So when I heard the music, of sign of the cross for the first time i thought oh this is this is classic maiden this yeah. is this is why i love this band and the vocals i i, I don't want to demean uh, blaze by saying they didn't bother me because that, that that's almost you know damning through faint praise but sure they they weren't bad pun coming up they weren't a factor in me enjoying the album or not enjoying the album the vocals really suited the music that i was listening to so it it didn't bother me i i, I wasn't a Blaze hater. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of virtual 11 when it came out, but again, I think that's the songs rather than the performance of the singer. Um, I've seen blaze, uh, live and I think he's amazing. He's a great guy. He's a superb performer on stage. I think he got the short end of the stick from yeah. Maiden when he was performing live them not his yeah. fault. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the Factor was brilliant. Still do.
1: When did you see him? You said you saw him live uh, solo. When did you see him? Where did you see, Was he, did he come to your part of the world, or were you over in his part?
0: He, he came over here, which was very kind of him. So he he did a tour a few years ago with Paul Deano, the two of yeah. them touring together. Oh, and they would man. both play a set, and they would, they would take turns swapping the headlining act over. So I'd seen Paul before in... Glasgow, let me tell you, a Paul Diano gig in Glasgow was something you, you would not believe. Um, but, but on this one, it was in Wellington, New Zealand. It was a small club, about 120 people. Oh, wow. So you had no choice. You were at the front. And <laughs> Paul put on a good show, and Blaze put on a good show. And Paul kind of disappeared after his set, which was fine. Um, yeah. Blaze went to the back of the venue, sat down at one of the booths and, and just had a beer and talked to people. He was great
1: that's awesome that sounds like what melissa said she she met blaze last year and she just said he just was back there and you could walk right up and talk to him and he was very gracious and um, yeah were you familiar with blaze at all from wolfsbane before whenever whenever he had his other band were you familiar with him at all
0: i was so uh, i i i'd heard of wolfsbane because they were supporting maiden before bruce left the band and i would get you know, Kerrang magazine and metal hammer magazine that from the UK. I don't know if you've heard of those, yeah, but yeah. they would, that you could buy them in New Zealand bookstores and magazine shops. So I'd be buying these magazines and I would look at the interviews with blaze Bailey and the review Wolfsbane albums. And they would say, oh, they're on tour with Iron Maiden. So I went out and I listened to Wolfsbane sure. because, you know, that's something to do with Iron Maiden. I was, I was, I was <laughs> hungry for anything to do with Iron Maiden. So I'd listen to it. So I knew blaze's voice quite well. I knew Wolfsbane quite well. So when he was announced as the new singer, I wasn't actually that surprised. I thought that makes sense. This guy's a good singer. He's in a, a popular, energetic, young, up-and-coming band. The band already know him really well. They know he's compatible f- for being on tour. Good choice.
1: That's, yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So so you said you went to the tour with Blaze and Paul. So that's really cool. That's uh. And Paul's set—I'm sure it was his set—pretty much all Iron Maiden. Or did he do any of his solo material?
0: I, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. Um, the chorus goes "All guns blazing." I'm not sure if it's called "All guns blazing." To, to be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of Paul Diano's solo material. Okay. Um, I listened to a little bit of Battlezone, but uh, he was just—it sounds a little bit too angry for me. Yeah. Um, so not really my my kind of sound. So it was it was like you know, 90% maiden songs and the ones that he always plays, but he was good. I I know a lot of people, um, criticize Paul for not having a great voice and he's done some pretty, you know, regretful things in his personal and his business life. But I've seen him twice. Both times he's put on a great show. I don't really care if his voice is a little bit shot because, you know, he's, he's kind of a sad character. Yeah. Um, And, I, I admire him for being able to get up on stage. Um, yeah, he's yeah. You, know, you don't go to a Paul Diano show expecting him to be, you know, Ronnie James Dio on stage. He he, he doesn't have a wonderful voice anymore, but that's okay. Like, if you go in there with your expectations set at the right level, you'll have a great time, and he puts on a good show.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's um, there's a there's an all female band, uh, the Iron Maidens. I don't know if they've played yeah. over there or if you've seen. I've, I've they seen have. them. A- Okay, cool. I've seen them a couple of times and in my and and they sound great. And I always think to myself there's only going to be so many times that you can go somewhere and hear a full set or you know with Paul Di'Anno even for a mostly full set of Iron Maiden songs. And yeah. anytime I can hear that live, I don't I'll go. I and and Paul was obviously a very special part of Iron Maiden even though he was only on the first two albums, but those two albums set the tone for them and helped build a following and paved the way for Bruce. <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think? Uh, are you a huge fan of the first two albums?
0: Oh, yeah. Love them. I, okay. I, I, I remember um, when I bought the Iron Maiden album, the first album, took it home. First of all, I thought the artwork was really strange because I was used to looking at power slave you know this really refined artwork and then you get this zombie eddy kind of really (laughs) rough artwork i'm like oh this is this is a bit it's a bit different it's not it's scary it's not fun even but but by that stage uh, the number of the beast artwork didn't scare me anymore or at least not as much (laughs) Um, and then you put the album on and prowler comes in and the production is so raw and it
1: Mm -hmm. just
0: sounded if i had to point at one album and say This was when Iron Maiden sounded dangerous, like Guns N' Roses and like Skid Row were dangerous. That first album, they're a dangerous band. That sound is wild. It's rough. It's in your face. I know Steve Harris has criticised the production on the first album. He doesn't like the way it sounds. I love the way it sounds because it sounds unique. None of their (laughs) other material sounds like that. It's just brilliant. I actually think, compared to the first album, Killers, although it's got amazing songs on it, I think the production makes it sounds quite tame in comparison to Iron Maiden. I oh, wow. much prefer the sound on Iron Maiden to the sound on Killers. I think the songs are just as good, but the production makes it sound kind of, kind of muted. Hmm.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. So I, I, and I have a friend that's um, we, he he's a newer fan, but he I mean he loves the first Iron Maiden album. He he likes the other stuff. He likes the. Bruce's stuff, and he came along really, you know, in the last three or four or five years. And but he loves the first Iron Maiden album. And and when we we talk about it, um, recently when I was in Colorado, he he sent every now and then he'll send me a screenshot, he'll say, Hey, look, I'm listening to Killers, and then the same day (laughs) he sends me the screenshot, Hey, look, I'm listening to the first Iron Maiden album. And he and he sends me one of Killers, and he says, He writes on there, he says, Doesn't even compare to the first album. And I said, You know. The production's a lot better to me on the second album, but the songs are better on the first album. And I guess, you know, I came I've, I'll tell you, I've, and I've said this, I don't think this is news to anybody, but I've, I still struggle listening to the first two albums. I just can't. There, I, I think I got, I was so into Bruce whenever I got into Made because it was live after death and I heard Wrath Child and Phantom of the Opera and Running Free. I heard those with him. But you know, I I don't know. I don't even know if I could use that as an excuse because the first I I remember getting, I think I remember having "Made in Japan" before I had "Killers" or the first Iron Maiden album. Oh wow! But I don't remember. I just never really liked listening. I don't. I don't love listening to those albums. Like I want to love listening to them. I listen to them, and I'm like. I like the songs but after a while i'm just kind of like okay I, I don't know i don't know what it is i don't I don't think it's paul's voice because i love like um on killers i love listening to you know the song killers i love listening to innocent exile remember tomorrow the way he i think he outsings, sings you know bruce those certain songs diano just they're made not i know they weren't written for him because they were other guys in the band first but some of those songs Bruce can't compare to Paul Diano. And I'll, here, I'll tell you another thing. I'm trying to think of which single I wanna say it was Wasted Years. Was that the one where they had uh Charlotte the Harlot and Prowler 88? Is it was it Wasted Years single? Oh or yeah, was
0: yeah. No, that so, was that was off the Seven Sun singles.
1: Yes, yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So when I listened to those, I think at the time I, I had never heard prowler and i'd never heard charlotte harlot because i just didn't at that point in time i just didn't have those albums yet and when i heard them on there when i heard them that way with bruce singing and then i go and listen to prowler from the first album i just think it sounds so much better the production's even better on the the b side of the single than it is on their you know it's better produced than than the raw production but when I do listen to the first album, it, the, the production doesn't bother me though. I don't. I don't feel like like at first when Prowler starts, it just sounds weak to me a little bit. But then really? a little bit late, a little later into the album, I don't even notice that. I'm just kind of like, oh, it sounds normal. So
0: huh. that's interesting. But think, I'm, I'm the opposite. When I, when I hear Prowler start on the first album, I just think it's it's edgy, it's dangerous, it's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I need to. I probably need to. Uh, I've been listening. I've been trying to listen to it a little bit <clears throat> more recently because I'm planning on doing a review of it. And so I'm trying to kind of make sure I can go into it open. But I want to, I need to listen to it. I think I need to go into it really open minded. So that, that was my problem when I listened to uh, virtual 11. I didn't listen to it originally open minded. I was kind of closed minded for some reason. And I, and I don't hate Bruce's or, or I don't hate Blaze's vocals, but I just, I went into it completely without expecting this has to be as good as Power Slave or Seventh Son, and I love Virtual Eleven. I love that album. Other than the Angel and the Gambler. I'm not a huge. That's the one song I w- I'll skip because it's just too repetitive. But, but I, I, I like every. There's nothing. There's not an Iron Maiden album that I don't love. All that. Well, there might be one. <laughs> I like it, but I, think <laughs> I love it, and we know what Does we. It starts with an F. It starts with it's also the first tour you ever saw. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll tell you what, it, it starts with an F and it ends with me turning the turning the CD player off.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Oh man, well, I um, will tell you what, we've been uh, we've been talking for a good long time here. So I'm gonna, I know you, uh, I know you're trying to, I know your family probably is going to get tired of you sitting here listening. Who's this, who's this idiot you've been on the phone with for all this time? You know. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I mean, it was really, like I said, it was really exciting to me uh, when I got your email and I read it all and all the cool things, experiences you've had. And uh, it, And plus, you know, like I said, it's really neat to feel like I'm connecting with somebody on the other side of the world. And, and we're connecting over something that we've had in common since probably for almost the same amount of time, for 30 30 some odd years we've both loved the same band and we've just now met and i think that's really awesome so i do appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk and i've loved it it's been awesome
0: that's great thanks steve look i really appreciate the chance to get on and and i gotta say uh, listening to your podcast i listen to it in 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 the garage when i'm working on you know cars and things and it's like you're you've just met someone in the line for a maiden gig and you're having a (laughs) chat about, you know, 30 years of listening to your favorite band that you both love and you're having a beer or whatever, and you're just chewing the fat. It's great. That's what I love most about your podcast. It's just, it's like a conversation with a fan.
1: I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that. Um, that That's awesome. Well, again, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Once again, I would like to thank James for taking the time out of his life to come on here and talk some Iron Maiden with me. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with James. I know I did. So, on behalf of James, myself, Iron Maiden, Eddie, and the boys, good night.
2: Some things in life are bad, they can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, Grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Ain't always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten. And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing. When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps. Just purse your lips and whistle. That's the thing. Hey, always look on the bright side of life. Come on. Always look on the bright side of life. For life is quite absurd a word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your scene, give the audience a grin. Enjoy it, it's your last chance and the So always look on the bright side of death. <whistles> Just before you draw your terminal breath.